podcast with James and Jane. Hey, this is Jane. And just before we get into this episode, I want to remind you all about the great stuff on our website at www.worldofwork.io. Over there, you can check out our online seminar program, the workshops we run, as well as our coaching and all the other podcasts we've recorded. So that's www.worldofwork.io. Now on to this episode. Hi, this is James. And this is Jane. And here we are again with another episode of the World of Work podcast. Coming at you live, or actually, we're not really coming. <laughs> not live, mate. No, Brilliant. Coming at you recorded. Coming from... at you with a two-week delay. <laughs> yeah, from sunny Edinburgh. Anyway, um, here we are. So, sorry, can I just pick you up on that already? It's not starting well. Um, James just said sunny Edinburgh. It was hailing as I walked in the door. Yeah, I got... It's only April. Come on, what are you complaining yeah. about? Well, they say snow in April. Means more snow in May. No, it means it means really good summer. Oh, right. Okay. Well, fingers crossed. We'll check back in in the summer and see how much um, sunblock we've had to put on for the uh, heat in Scotland. All right. So um, before we get into it, you can get in touch with us. Website, thewowpodcast.org. Check out stuff there. We put like, you know, show descriptions, all that good stuff. Um, social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. We got all that stuff going on. Um and probably tweeting us is the best way at the wow podcast we're pretty active on there yeah i'd like to do a bit of a shout out for our a Facebook bit of a shout page, out right because everything else is doing really well and everyone's chatting facebook. and we get shout outs on linkedin and people talk to us on twitter facebook not so much it probably so doesn't just so help. you all know like, i run the facebook page because james isn't even on facebook well exactly that's why that's why we don't like it and also I, but I will you. do you a deal if you come and find find the wow podcast on facebook i personally will start a conversation with you because <laughs> that's good. i am a little bit sad about it. it's feeling a bit down in the dungeon yeah. so that's it's uh facebook.com forward slash the wow podcast and while you've been promoting uh, facebook i've been tweeting about negative aspects of facebook on a regular basis have you? yeah i have i have about okay. some really interesting stuff Maybe they deliberately put, maybe, put the stuff maybe. on it. But we've got some bad stuff about Facebook. But a bit that I was kind of interested in was there was um there's a really good article in Vox or something like that about the content moderators and how face like the the culture of content moderation within Facebook and, and how that part of the organization works and you know, I mean it's like a it's it's dreadful. So I I wanna be really, really clear, right? Yeah. Facebook is just a symptom of monopoly behavior over 500 years this has consistently been the case where monopolies yep. and public publication cross bad things happen yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. a fact yeah, yeah. people yeah go read about the printing and presses. you can make some decisions about your behaviors but you know maybe get rid but of come everything find else me on facebook, facebook. <laughs> yeah, apart from Sorry, our stuff facebook. <laughs> yeah. we know we know you're just a victim of you know your circumstance yeah yeah all right so anyway so it's a, it's a little diatribe on facebook um uh, so anyway, more importantly, move let's move on to Apple. Why don't you uh, get onto iTunes and write us a review? If you can do that, that'd be great. We really like this. We don't really ever ask people enough, so we've done that a few times. Um, and we've got a wow mail as well, don't we? We've got our mailing list. Yeah, you can sign up to our newsletter that goes out alongside the podcast, and you can do that at our website, um, and we will send you a little newsletter, email mm. newsletter with goodies in it and links and people that we think are interesting to read about. Yeah, cool. All right, so that is the kind of formalities at the start. It's like the exits are here, the bathrooms are there, there's no fire alarms. Tell me that because I don't listen to that. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> well, everyone listens to our stuff. It's really important. Um, anyway, so today we're going to be speaking about coaching. Uh, we did this a while ago, um, and once again, it's a bit of a special episode. We're, we've got Gillian McMichael again. 
Um, and we had a conversation with her a while ago, back in Series 3 when she was a guest, where we oh, talked do about... Do you remember Series 3? Uh, so long ago. Yeah. Where um, the last conversation we talked about kind of what it's like to be coached and the relationship between coaching and behaviour change, um, in line with Series 3 being about behaviour change. But today's conversation... Uh, that we're going to be sharing in this episode is all about becoming a coach and being a coach. So we know that some people out there are interested in developing their coaching skills. We know that these are important in a lot of um, roles in the workplace, in leadership, in and management. And we talk we talk about the role of coaching absolutely. for a manager as well when yeah, we talk totally. about it, which is really yeah. helpful. So don't, you know, if you're listening, it's absolutely for you guys too. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone Even benefits from... if you don't want from, to be a permanent coach. Yeah. Everyone benefits from coaching skills, right? I mean, particularly in modern workplaces, that's really important. Parents. Parents, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I've had a lot of conversations with people about coaching as, as parents, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, so once again, we're treating our conversation with Gillian as research roundup for the week. Um, and as with last time, really what we're trying to do with this is to help, uh, you know, listeners get close to a master coach and hear from one of them about their thoughts on that, the journey of becoming a coach and what it's like to develop and to develop the skills that coaches use. And what the industry's like as and well, what, right? Yeah, I think. yeah, we reflect on that a bit as well. So, a running order, usual, uh, definition discussion coming up, but we'll just really hammer that down yep. brief because we've, we've covered a lot of the definitions. Then we'll do the interview, list of the week, stories, a couple final thoughts and top tips, um, then check it out. Um, check in, how are you doing? I am over the moon. Over the moon? I might not sound it, but I am over That's the moon. That's good. You can ask me why. Yeah, why? Ask me why. <laughs> why, why are you so, ever So, uh, we are recording this on a Thursday Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, we both just checked. And that. we have spent pretty much the whole day planning bits of stuff that we're going to be doing over the next year. Yeah. So, that's why I'm over the moon. It's exciting, isn't it? It's we, proper exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, James has been showing me through the development of our website, which yeah. is now live. Yeah. And uh, we've been talking about some ideas. We've got some future projects and we've set ourselves some goals and I'm quite excited about yeah, it. Yeah, doing some planning and dragging, dropping stuff around. And... Dragging, dropping. <laughs> and we've scheduled like a whole year worth of recording podcasts, which yeah. I'm super excited about. It's really about. fun, isn't it? And we were both saying when we're doing it that that's really important to us because we really enjoy it. So, um, yeah. yeah. And as I get, I'm, I'm getting quite quite busy with some of my other work, so I'm yeah. really excited to block time. Yeah, to get the real space and to do it in a focused way. I mean, it's a yeah. good way to do it. So that's why I'm over the moon. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in the exact same place from a check-in perspective. It's been a really great, um, fun day and it's fun to do this as well. So that is good. Um, would you like to definition up the audience? Yeah, I'm going to be super quick. Do you want to dish for deaths? I would strong dish. No. <laughs> No, you always try to get these things in, and no. I was, I was listening to one of our podcasts the other day, and you started making puns, and I was just like, cut you dead. I was like, no, no puns. Uh, so I would strongly advise listening to our, the episode that James has just talked about in Series 3 around coaching, because it's really helpful. Yeah, really I think it's episode 25, I think is when it was. Is yeah. it? 25, I think so. So it's definitely, it's, series, it's in Series 3. Yeah. And uh, really, the, the, there's two types of definitions that I'm going to whiz through. One is about the kind of conversations that are developmental conversations. So counselling, mentoring and coaching. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is about the types of coaching, which is things like life, career, solution-based, transformative. So very cool. briefly, the difference between mentoring, coaching and counselling. Yeah. Um, Oxford Dictionaries talk about mentors being experienced and trusted advisor. We decided the last episode that mentoring was really about lived experience and using that to help someone develop. Yeah. Uh, coaching was much more about creating thought-provoking conversations. Uh, ICF define it as um, partnering with clients as a thought-provoking and creative process that inspires them to maximise 
their potential. Um, and counselling is much more about solving psychological and personal problems. Yeah. Um, the other side of the things... So just before we go on, yeah. one of the conversations I've had is that um, also coaching is forward-looking and about like you know reaching destinations in the future and, and making things better in the future whereas a lot of counseling is reflecting on stuff in the back or in history or at least it can be a little bit more backward looking mm-hmm. so in some of my sort of coaching training pieces um i've been advised that if something turns into a reflection on the past or an anal- analysis of a specific sort of event in your life then that kind of stops to be coaching so Interesting. I would yeah. disagree with that fundamentally, yeah, but right. but yeah, that's an interesting definition. Yeah. I would say some or, of my best it's conversations. Like a sub, a sub bit, right? Yeah, I guess some of my best conversations with people that I would consider coaching conversations is where they've learned to reflect on how they've behaved in the past and how they would do it differently in the future. And I think that how you do it differently in the future is yeah. the coaching bit. But I think if you're just looking at and analysing stuff in the past, then it then it's less helpful from a coaching perspective. Mm, yeah. What I would say is that if you look at the different types of coaching, so you've got life which as we discussed last time i'm still not sure what life coaching is um it, it seems to be a catch-all for yeah it's kind of like coaching. personal career coaching. coaching team coaching um or those are kind of the topics that yeah. you're covering yeah whereas the methodology um is traditionally falls into things like solutions based or yeah. outcomes based coaching versus transformative or receptive coaching mm-hmm. um solution or outcomes based i see as very present rooted in the present quite often mm-hmm. because it's usually how do you get from a to b yeah where are you now it. where are you going to i be? tend to describe it as there's a real world solution that you need to navigate yeah yeah you've got somewhere you want to get to yeah how or you you've got or you know i still see behavior out. change sitting within solution based i can't stop shouting at my staff yeah. is a thing that needs to yeah, be yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. and very you've got a specific. real objective that you're working towards yeah whereas uh, and I as I referenced in the last episode I hate the word transformative coaching no reflection on anyone who's a transformative coach I think what you do is brilliant but I, I, I'm uncomfortable with the idea of transforming yeah sure, sure, sure. Uh, but transformative coaching is about uh, the way we talk about it is certainly about helping clients change who they are yeah. or their perspective of the world yeah, and yeah, how yeah. the world works. Yeah. It's their beliefs, it's their values. It's yeah, their... the most common thing I find in this is about changing and raising people's aspirations. So the most common thing is, here's who you think you are, yeah. here's actually what you're capable yeah. of and here's what, how the world might want that. Yeah, so, so what are the beliefs that hold you back? What are the unhelpful things that, that you think of as truisms that prevent you achieving your goals how can we reframe your interpretation of the world to some extent yeah to help you and and uh really commonly um and i think this is really relevant for the coaching pieces uh, about bravery so um consistently comes up in my coaching um when it's not solution specific around bravery yeah. and and how can you encourage people to be more brave not I, i'm not talking about being more risky i'm talking about genuinely saying things where they are not 100% confident. Yeah, and, and, well, and the confidence piece is, is yeah. a common thing for a lot of Super, people. super common thing with people I work with. Yeah. So cool. those are my definitions. Lovely. Very simple, very quick. If you want them in more detail or you want to explore that, we talk about it a bit more in Series 3, yeah. the coaching episode. Cool. So we'll have a chat with Gillian or we'll play the chat with Gillian in a minute. But before we do that, I mean, you coach people, right? You've uh, had... I do. I mean, I, yeah, I do. Or, or you, you I, have conversations with people. I do. Yeah. I, most of, in fact, all of my coaching is industry specific, and therefore there's a large chunk of mentoring going on. Fine. That. Okay. So, so I mix it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess my question is, what? What's? You know, what? What is it that you find the best bit about what you do? What do you like most about that line of work? Uh, from a selfish point of view, I get a proper hit when people have goals that they achieve. And they directly attribute some of the success to me. 
All so right. there's from a very real ego point of view. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. an email yesterday. I have just been given X, and it's a trustee position. Um, and I quite simply, the sentence said, I wouldn't have been able to get there without right. you. So like vicarious success or something like that, is that fair? Or recognition or... Uh, impact. Impact, it's, You yeah. know, I've had impact. But then I think within the actual process and enjoying the, 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 the process, it's about seeing people raise their aspirations, which I've just mentioned. Um, yeah. So for me, I work really quite a lot with people in middle, middle and the level just below senior management. So, mm-hmm. and... Uh, quite often I have conversations and they tell me at the beginning of the conversation they you know where do you want to end up and they'll say one or two uh, hierarchical levels above themselves in their own organization okay and then I will take them on a journey where they talk about a much more broad career with much higher aspirations either hierarchically or in completely different ways sure. of how they might live their life but and what they more might fulfilling do. for them to some extent potentially and to see them even open their mind enough to consider that that is one option for them yeah. and that it might be an option for them is an extraordinary thing. Yeah. I love it. It's like my favourite thing. When someone looks in the eye and you say to them, well, hang on, do you think that is achievable? If mm. you wanted it, do you think it's achievable? And to hear them go from don't be crazy to yes is a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably, enriching, is It's probably it? my favourite thing. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's good. Um, so I guess from my perspective, in terms of, the sort of coaching conversations I have, I'd say it's similar to yours in that I'm not exclusively coaching. I, you know, I don't just ask questions. I, I do mentoring and advice to some extent as well. And again, it's because most of my conversations are about domains that I'm reasonably confident mm-hmm. in. Um, in terms of what I get out of it, I like that helping people achieve. I, I, I like that. I like the improving um, optimism and confidence. And in the moment, actually in the moment of coaching, I really like the mental thought process of trying to understand and find questions and explore. And I find it quite um, an immersive uh, and focused way to be. You know, you're, you're really paying attention to somebody and you're thinking through and you're trying to identify questions that they might not have thought of or find new ways to look at stuff. So it's kind of an absorbing intellectual process to some extent as well, which I like. Um, so I do enjoy it. Um, and is there any particular topics that's your favourites? Topics that's your favorite. Yeah, I guess most, <clears throat> pardon me, most of my conversations start with work-related things, mm-hmm. predominantly identifying goals in relation to work. But one of the things that I enjoy is when after X amount of time, you know, one session, two sessions, whatever it happens to be, half an hour, three hours, the, the individuals I'm speaking to start to reflect on their personal situation. And, and suddenly they, they raise questions that are more deeply personal that maybe they've not expressed with others before that really relate to their relationship with work and then seeing that connection and and having them start to open up and talk about those and then find new ways around mm-hmm. some of the things they challenge i, I think that's interesting okay. um, something I so think. my favorite without question yeah is where you get people who have uh, they've probably outgrown their role okay they've got a little bit cynical yeah and they are behaving to, not to their abilities but instead to their pay grade or job title and it's my literally send them to me all day long fine there is nothing more fun than having a conversation with someone who's who's i mean they're in the process so they want to learn yeah but they've become blinkered to the fact that they're behaving based on what it says on paper not on who they really are yeah yeah, yeah, so they say oh i'm not a leader because i'm not a manager Mm. well you are because everyone in the room listens to you and your manager can't deal with you because you know more than they do yeah they look at you and go "Mm, maybe I, I, i might have done that on occasion and um, if anyone's listening who's had coaching from me in that, trust me, you're not alone and I'm not talking about you because there's like loads of you. Funny. All right, so so that's kind of like our intro chat. Why don't we uh, 
hand over to our conversation with Gillian where yeah, she talks through some of that process. Um, and we'll check in in a little bit. So here we are. Here's another chat with Gillian McMichael. All right, so let's move on to Research Roundup. And um, as we said earlier, we're going to do it a bit differently again. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're focusing on coaching, as we said. And as we've done in prior episodes on coaching, we're going to have a conversation with Gillian, um, who did a, a lovely episode for us in Series 3, where we looked at coaching, uh, what it is, and how it fits within the idea of behavior change, which was the focus of, of Season 3. Um, what we're going to be doing today is focusing on coaching and learning a little bit around how to become a coach and the journey of being a coach and a little bit more about the industry for people interested in coaching from that angle. Um, and as I said, we've got Gillian again. Um, since it's been a while, why don't we start with a bit of an introduction? So okay. Gillian, do you want to introduce yourself again and yeah. let the listeners know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you and thanks for inviting me back. Um, yeah, so I'm Gillian McMichael. Um, my company is Full Circle Global. We're a leading coach training provider based in the UK in Edinburgh and London, but we also have operations in uh, United Emirates and also in Europe. So I'm also a master coach, um, which I didn't mention last time, but I suppose it's quite a nice accolade to have after all these years. Um, (laughs) Now that's a title, right? Master Master coach. coach. I'd be using that if I had a master coach. It sounds like like something from like a spiritual Eastern place. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so that's, yeah, so it's nice nice to be back. So thank you. Um, It's really lovely to have you back. I found our conversation last time really interesting and it, it actually got me thinking quite a lot. And one of the things I regret not asking you was, what brought you to coaching in the first place? And I think it's really relevant to this. And what keeps you here? That's a really good question, actually. So my background, I think I mentioned last time, was human resources and learning and development. And I did that for about 12 years, both in London and, 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 and Scotland and Edinburgh. And I felt a little bit kind of frustrated with my HR role and learning and development role because I worked for a, a consulting firm. So it was all about the bottom line. And people did come, unfortunately, second. Yeah. Um, so what happened was I was going through some changes in my own life. I was kind of asking those questions. It's got to be something more. I need a more rewarding job <laughs> yes, than this. Yes. Um, and although I loved working with people and really developing others, I felt, as I said, restricted. And then all of a sudden... My friend said, you know, have you thought about coaching? And I said, do you know what? I'd really quite like to explore that because the company that I work for had operations in the US and coaching was really big and is still really big in in the US. And so I was lucky enough to be involved in a project where we looked at bringing coaching skills back into the organization. So that was my, although I've been coaching for a while, but it was more advisory coaching, not proper coaching as I would call it now. Um, And that was my first introduction. So once I I got coached myself and I got coached by an ICF, an International Coach Federation coach in, in America, and it completely changed my whole outlook. And that was my first kind right. of proper personal self-development experience that I'd had for quite a long, a long time. So that was my introduction to coaching. And I thought, hmm, sounds quite good. Quite like the idea of this. And so coming back and rolling, rolling out the project and so forth, um, after about, I think it's about after six months, I thought, actually, I really want to do this full time. Right. So I left my job and set myself up and haven't looked back since. Yeah. So it's been amazing, actually. So I suppose what's kept me is the absolute belief that we all have amazing potential within us within us and knowing that actually you know after loads of research that we only ever kind of ever reach 10% of that potential has mm. kind of has driven me on to kind of help more and more people get more of their potential out there and to live and work within that potential more so i suppose i find the job rewarding 
I feel I'm, I'm like most probably I feel at times I'm the luckiest person in the world and I feel very humbled actually by the interactions that I have on a daily basis and the fact that you can through a purposeful conversation you can encourage and support and, and help people um, to really achieve the life that they want to lead and it's pretty amazing to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. Those are those are fairly fairly clear reasons to keep doing it. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. you. Can see so why it's still going. <laughs> you referenced in there about um, developing your own coaching skills as part mm-hmm. of that earlier journey. Absolutely. What What do you think the benefits are for someone? Yeah, let's say they don't want to be a coach full time, but but they want to learn to improve their coaching skills. What are the benefits to people? For me, I always I always believe it's a life skill. So I think you know if you learn to coach and have coaching skills absolutely guaranteed you'll have better and more effective conversations you will know yourself more so you'll know your strengths and maybe the areas that maybe you're not so not so strong in and so it gives you that deeper self of awareness and understanding um, I think you can build a better relationship with yourself and be more impactful in the in the conversations in the work you do because you know what drives and motivates you so I think just even as a life skill alone I think it's it's brilliant whether you want to use them in a professional context or not. Then that's diff- you know it doesn't doesn't really matter because I think the skills that you learn you can take with you in everyday life interactions. And and you know from your experience of becoming a coach, what would you say some of the specific skills are that you learned by being a coach? What kind of? Yeah, so for me, listening, listening. Um, really listening at a deeper level. So you know sometimes you listen, but you don't always hear. Yeah. Um, and I had many managers like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same here, same here. <laughs> you know, so I think actually genuinely listening and hearing somebody and then asking questions on the back of it I think my questioning skills have got better I think my listening skills are, are really definitely improved over the years but I think also that um, understanding others and actually appreciating where other people are in their lives in their journeys of their life and I think that just gives you greater insight to yourself actually as well and, and off the back of that what do you think the benefits are to organizations who invest in coaching skills and their staff lots <laughs> um, obviously I'm um, bang the gong for that yeah, one yeah. Um, but no I mean lots actually so for me you know better overall communication between individuals and team members um, it, it, uh, retention is reduced so staff retention turnover is, is, is good you see um, a solution focused approach rather than a, I've got a problem can you help me um, so there's much more I think I think generally um, just a greater self-awareness people will go the extra mile because they feel valued um, and I think overall, you'll see much more effective people in the workplace, as I said, achieving the, the, achieving what needs to be done in less time because they're much more solution focused. Yeah. Is that your experience, James? Because I know you've, you've worked in organisations where coaching has started to be brought in. Yeah. I mean, the, the last organisation I worked in, we brought in coaching and, and we have in that organisation brought in coaching at the senior levels. And, and at the senior levels, it's a powerful, powerful um, tool that, that, like you said, supports retention and, and supports a, a deeper set of development within the leaders. Um, I've got some challenges around some of the areas that we're, we're being focused on in terms of developing mm-hmm. skills for leadership. So that's a, a question I, or something I disagree in around what makes a good leader. But we were good at embedding some of those skills, which I don't necessarily think we should have done. Um, where we struggled in the organization I was in was to bring coaching in at some of the lower levels. Right, so throughout the organization, and we talked about it, but we weren't as good at it as, as I think we should have been. And I think part of it goes down to um, an understanding of really what some of those coaching skills are and giving people the, the time and space to learn them, and also 
giving people the space to actually use them in, yeah. in their roles in the workplace. Yeah, I think, so Jillian, you mentioned in, in the previous episode we recorded about how you're really passionate about believing everyone should have access. Mm-hmm. And for me, until we crack, and I, in the non-profit sector particularly we have this challenge, yeah. until we crack a way of getting those coaching skills into people earlier in their career so that they can peer coach, so they can mm-hmm. reach outside the organisation and help each other out, we're never going to make it cost effective enough and there's yeah. always going to be this big jump yeah isn't there, between those who can afford it and who organisations invest. Absolutely. But I think that, for me, um, kind of goes to that area of actually maybe organisations creating more of a coaching culture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's where you can see the benefit quite quickly, actually. So if line managers, regardless of how experienced they are, so even if you start from the bottom up the way rather than bottom down, you know, if you can equip those line managers... Um, or those team leaders in how to have effective coaching conversations at work then you're going to get a lot more peer-to-peer support through that you'll have more effective conversations better dialogues around career performance all of that kind of stuff we'll see you'll see a massive improvement Um, but I think it is it's not necessarily about investing in one-to-one coaching it's also about investing in training and skilling managers and leaders to have better conversations at work and you know you know what that would mean James don't you return on investment people Oh no, but that is true. Yes, sorry, James has a Gillian. Gillian hasn't uh, probably experienced this, but James has got a bit of a thing about return investment because he's encountered some days. No, but I was also thinking back to my ranting uh, obsession about feedback culture yeah. and how much better I can imagine people would be at taking feedback, which we argue is quite significantly the most important thing to giving feedback, if they've been through that experience of learning coaching skills, right? Yeah. Because then it becomes a developmental conversation. Yeah. It's and more more observational based than oh can I give you feedback? Because yeah. we all immediately think the worst. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And also no, you can't. Thanks. Yes, yeah. I, I'm not ready to hear all it just the walls now. go up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was just going to say before we go on. You know, we we in the organisation I was in, we we looked to try and bring in some of the coaching uh, aspect at, at lower levels and, and bring some skills in um, at sort of manager and senior manager levels. And one of the things that I I struggled with when I was trying to have conversations with people was making the shift away from the having a coaching conversation with somebody for the benefit of a person having the conversation versus the benefit of a person receiving it. Mm-hmm. So all these people were out there having conversations, but they were doing it for their own agenda yeah. as opposed to genuinely trying to help the person that they were working with. Yeah. I like it when I like it when people try and uh, in their a, their own style try and give you advice and then just walk away like they've scattered gold on you yes. like, what do I do with that yeah. what do you want me how how do I then put that into practice yeah. and what's and in it I for you understand and how does it help you yeah. develop as a person And I'll be more effective great so and yeah I'll be tired yeah. um, okay so one of the things I think would be really helpful because pretty much we find our listeners are tend to be mates a lot of them are where you were at the beginning of this journey in HR or their emerging leaders what um what's the process for becoming a coach how does what's that journey like was it was it a hard one what are the practical steps to it well i think the 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 key challenge is finding the right training provider i think you know it is a bit of a minefield out there and it can be a little bit kind of precarious in terms of finding the right person or the right organization for you I think the key thing is is that there are three professional bodies within the UK and, and, and actually, well, globally, we've got the International Coach Federation, but you also have the Association of Coaching, which is based in the UK, and you also have the European Mentoring and, and Coaching 
um, council organisation as well. Now, those are three bodies that provide guidance and advice on who are the right providers. Now, we always decided to go with the International Coach Federation because we wanted the global reach mm -hmm. and also because they've been around for 26 years plus, you know, they're kind of um, the leaders and the pioneers in best practice coaching. So I think my advice would be, your first stop would be to do your research on the providers in your area have a look at the costings, their background, their qualifications, and also if they're affiliated with a professional body or not. Coaching isn't regulated, as we know. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure, having sat and been a board member of the ICF a number of years ago, I'm not sure coaching actually will be regulated at this stage. However, there is a real um, desire to raise the standard of mm -hmm. coaching across mm -hmm globally across the whole world in terms of you know the, the, the qualification standards and so forth so for me I think when anybody's looking I would start to look at well who's providing the qualification is it a professional qualification is it recognized for one of those bodies yeah okay and, and if you if you choose a body and go with it um, what's the actual journey like in terms of your training what what you know what does that What's it like, I guess? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a number of qualifications you can do. There's the approved professional coach route or there's the accredited route. And approved will mean that you'd need to get a minimum of 60 hours of coach-specific training. Specific it fits actually with, it fit it with, fits all, with all of them, actually, okay. yeah. So there's, there's a number of hours that you have to do, minimum 60 hours to get your so basic training. it's a very training. practical approach yeah. and journey. You're going to go out there, you're going to do it, and then someone's yeah. going to give you feedback. So a mixture will be a number of days coach training, learning the skills, the tools, the techniques, the model, the competencies, if there are competencies that are related to the programme. And then there'll be practical element of actually putting into practice what you've learned in the classroom. And on average, with any qualification, you have to do some practical, real kind of case study where you're coaching people and you get dedicated feedback. And um, so for those, it, I would say there are alternatives as well, such as university yeah. courses, which are equally as good, but take a different approach because they're very, I suppose they're steeped more in theory yeah. rather than practical application. And my advice would be to decide, depending, depending on your learning style, you know, are you a person that really likes the theory and, and yeah. the, the hypothesis around coaching or are you somebody that would like the practical application? And I think that's where I would start to choose your provider accordingly based upon that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you mentioned at the beginning of this that you are a master coach. I am. Which is a fabulous title. <laughs> we should all want to be that, actually, mm. the aspiration. What's a day like for you as a, as a, as a coach and a, a leader of an organisation like this? Um, well, it's busy. It's good. It's good. It's good. Um, so, yeah, so it's a mixed bag, actually. So obviously running a business is an aspect of nurturing current client relationships and continuing to build those and to seek for more work because at the end of the day, running a business at the end of the day. So work needs to come in. Uh, but it's also about meeting clients, whether that's new clients or working with clients on a one to one or team basis. Um, I always start my day with meditating and getting myself in the in the zone for my for my day and mixing that with a bit of exercise whether that's yoga or running or whatever that might be and then I'll come into the office and just do what I need to do so as I said it'll be a mixture of managing the team we're at the moment deciding on designing some new courses um, for, for kind of our suite of programs that we offer but also I do personally I do a lot of kind of corporate work as well so I'm very much kind of consulting with organizations and I do a lot around supporting organizations with their coaching culture as well so very varied, very enjoyable, um, and as I said, love every minute of it, really. Um, but you do need to, I suppose for me, maintaining that level of activity, you need to make sure that I've got a bit of self-care going on at the same time. And is that is that the biggest challenge, being a coach? I think so. I think when you get 
if, if anybody's like me and they love it, um, it can get quite addictive. And not because it's all about you, because it's not about us at all, it's about the other person that you're working with. But actually when you see somebody change, they physically change. Yeah. Their facial expressions change, their, how they hold their body changes, and you can see them really achieving major things in their life. And I think it's, it's a, such a positive space to be in um, so sometimes when you go back to normal life, you have to realise that actually you've got to come out of the coaching bubble and get yeah. on with normality. But I do think self-care is very important because when you're giving a lot and holding the space and people are going through such big changes, um, you need to make sure that you're topping yourself up. Yeah. Okay. So, so do you find it emotionally tiring having coaching sessions? I find it energising. Energising. Yeah, okay. I, I, it's the opposite for me. I find it very energising. And I think, as I said, if you enjoy your work, then it doesn't feel like work. So that's another challenge. If mm-hmm. you love your job so much, you don't really feel like it's actually going to work. And then it can all merge. Yeah. <laughs> and does, does that make it harder for you to maintain ban- boundaries between you and your clients? Or actually, is that something you find relatively No, I'm, I'm, I'm very good at the boundaries piece. For me, this is a professional relationship. It's one where I can help them get where they need to get to. Um, so I never kind of blend any of that friends and socialising with, with clients. I think it's very important actually to keep the relationship really objective. I think it's important that both client and coach have their professional boundaries. Okay. And obviously it's taken you a while to learn the things that you've learned <laughs> yes. along the way. Um, maybe I'll phrase it in a, in a circum, circumnavigating the question kind of way. What types of mistakes might other people make on their... On <laughs> <laughs> mistakes I've made. <laughs> <laughs> on that, that process of developing and becoming James, a James, she's a coach. She can take that <laughs> hard question. I can take right? it. Go on. I can take the hard question. Um, honestly, you make loads of mistakes. Yeah. So you give too much of yourself is uh-huh. one mistake. Um, very early doors kind of I think you know when you have a lot of empathy for people that can turn quite quickly into sympathy uh-huh. so there's times where you've gone home and cried and not known why and you know that sometimes transference can go on which is not helpful um, but you need supervision and support for that which is great um, mistakes and just in terms of generally running a practice so for example trusting people that sounds awful but trusting people that they're going to pay your bill and then they don't pay your bill and you end up being a credit control debt yes, management yes, person yes, yes. instead of being the coach that you wanted to be that does not sound fun no, <laughs> no it's not actually that's what I'm trying to be it's the whole finance world right like. <laughs> so you know those are the mistakes where you, so there's something about um, really getting yourself set up and getting organised from the outset if you're wanting to do coaching and the other thing is remember for me and because obviously we train a lot of coaches as well Lots of coaches come into this because they, they care and they want to make a difference, which is wonderful. But you've also got to have a commercial head on you. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to be an independent coach um, and set up a business, um, then you have to go out and knock on doors so people need to know that you're around and you're available. And I think that can be quite a difficult challenge at the beginning and it's a mistake that I think I've made and others have made that you think work will just appear you know and then it doesn't and then you have to then pick up the phone or yeah do other things to try and meet new clients in um I when I went to university I knew a lot of people who trained as vets for some reason like all my friends were vets and nearly all of them stopped being vets very shortly after qualifying and they became vets because they wanted to work with animals and they all stopped being vets because they learned that they were working with people yeah. Right, so it's about being clear on what you're actually getting into. I think it's important. it is. I, I agree with that, and I think you know. I, I think for me, 
that there is something there around um, having that business head on whilst also balancing the care and wanting to make a difference. And if you can get that balance right, you can be really successful. But as a training provider, I mean, we've been quite lucky. I mean, 68% of our clients have gone on to be successful in their own coaching practice. Um, the rest have either taken it back in-house or others have just decided that actually that selling and marketing themselves yeah. isn't for them. And I think, you know, that then becomes a life skill or you can do it voluntary. So there's an opportunity to use your coaching skills. But still, you know, if you want to make a business of it, you've got to have the right head on. Yeah. And you said you've been running this organisation, was it 18 years you've been doing? Well, I've been doing coaching for 18 years coaching. and I set up in 2004. Fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's about 15 years yes, we've been, yeah. been running mm-hmm. this organisation. Have you seen a change in the demand for coaching? What, what's for, what, I guess, what's the public perception of coaching like now compared to where it was in the beginning and, and yeah. has the demand changed? I think it's that? changed quite a lot, actually. So when I started, when I used to go networking and, you know, you do all the rounds and stuff yeah, and yeah. then you'd get comments like, oh, here's another coach, you know, mm-hmm. as you walk through the door and you're like, oh gosh, here we go yeah, again. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, I think there is this kind of when I started it, it was life coaching so everybody thought it was a tree hugger yep. um, obviously which we're not um, but everybody thought it's very Americanized and all of this kind of thing and actually you know there is a time and a place for all of that and it's equally as important but I think there was this kind of oh, it's, it, it's not going to last it's a bit of a new fad uh-huh. but actually over the years what's happened is that there's a real desire for people to invest in their own development yeah. and I've seen a lot of that change so organisations are sending their people to become coaches um, a lot of organisations are doing that and then we've also got a lot of people taking back control over their life in terms of how they want to lead it what do they want to be doing with their life and I think as we you know is that challenge isn't the question that I always say is that at the moment that we, we, we've lost our leadership in the world at the moment I and I think more and more people <laughs> you can come back and have that conversation about any time we've got a whole different thing about that's a that. whole nother episode <laughs> but a sense of you know we've got, not got any kind of core leadership so yeah. actually people are finding it now from within themselves yeah. and more and more people are asking about well what's my purpose and trying to find more purpose in the work I yeah. suppose and and that's been the big shift both from a corporate perspective and also from a private perspective. And it's not just happening here in the UK, it's happening all over the world. Yeah. And we've seen that in cultures where perhaps they've been much more subservient in mm-hmm. cultures where they've been much more, yes, we'll, we'll kind of do what we need to do and be told what to do. And now actually the, the, the whole dynamic is changing of who they are and what they're, what they're all about. That's fascinating. I think, I think it's really interesting. So for listeners, we're, we're recording this episode uh, a week before uh, Brexit may or may not happen. Um, uh, at that given time in March and there's two people that I've seen emerge in the last week in very different contexts that I think are brilliant at showing how people have taken ownership of their own journey one is uh, the New Zealand Prime Minister yes. they've had a terrible tragedy over there and she has very clearly gone out and defined who she is and it is yep. completely different from any other leadership model we've seen um, and the other is a ex-rapper and historian called Akala who has been talking taking on my personal favourite Piers Morgan about knife crime and what the racial context is. And I think there's a really interesting thing about both of them that they have clearly mapped out their own journey and they have a yeah. very clear sense of self. And I don't, yeah. I don't believe that can come without really deep, meaningful conversations with other people in whatever form. And it maybe it's professional coaching, maybe it's not, but there's clearly something about developing their own sense yeah. of identity. Well, it's, it's going back to yourself and being clear yeah. on, on who you are and, and, and doing that, that deep what groundwork. What your beliefs and what Absolutely. your values are and how And the certainty that comes with that um, yeah. is powerful. Yeah. And I think for me, it was coaching. I guess the link for me is that for mm. me, it was the experience of coaching and also I did quite a lot of mentoring in my mm-hmm. sector. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it's the mentoring and that role and that, that open got dialogue that's helped me understand yeah. my own. 
And I think there's something about, I think what, what you described with those two individuals is that they're being really honest with themselves as yeah. well. Yeah. And I think when you start on a, any learning journey where you're looking within, um, you have to start being really honest with yourself. And it's that sense of really looking in the mirror and seeing who you are and what you're all about. And you might not necessarily always like what you see, but that's mm-hmm. okay because learning will come through that and you'll understand more about yourself. And I think it's then about using your voice. And I think by sharing who you are, and, and, and again, you know, we, we don't always show that side of ourselves and I think that's most probably what's missing in many leaders yep. um, but actually you know if we started to show who we really are and be true to that in terms of true to ourselves in that authentic sense then actually we'll most probably make greater connections and people will achieve so much more so so in the spirit of that I'm just curious as you as you mentioned you had coaching yourself mm-hmm. um, when we were talking previously what do you what aspirations do you still have because you're running a great business you're doing work you love how do you keep yourself motivated? What What are you looking for? Um, I think I've most probably set myself to be on my own kind of um, lifelong learning journey. I think okay. that's something that I've found. I've realised that I am a lifelong learner. I didn't know that actually in my early years. I think that's come in my 40s actually. Um, so I think for me there's that quest to get to know who I really am. And um, so finding my purpose, and I strongly believe that my purpose is now to help others find theirs. It might sound very cliche, but actually it is in the work that I do. Yeah. You know, I've set the intention and I, I, I'm kind of on a quest to keep doing this and really help others understand who they are so they can get the lives that they want to lead and, and have the careers that they want to have and, and have that more meaningful life experience. Um, so I think for me, it's about continuing. I don't think I'll ever be the finished article, far yeah. from it. Um, I think the one thing I've learned over the years is that actually taking that good look and actually understanding what's and all, the bad yeah. bits, you know, are actually equally as enriching yeah. as all the good stuff that you like about yourself. And I think if you're prepared to do that level of work, you'll find a sense of more peace and happiness within. So that's my quest over the yeah. next few years is to continue to to grow and develop and understand more about myself um, so that I can help others do the same. You, we talked a little bit earlier about how, um, you know, how there's a bit of a gap in leadership globally about how people are um, looking to fill that by understanding themselves more and developing more as people and, and that sort of inward-looking um, clarity of purpose uh, and, and it feels like that's something that, that's progressed over the last 10 or 15 years and become increasingly um, common and sought after by people do you feel that the coaching profession is changing in relation to the way the world is do you see changes in what coaches are doing and the way the organizational bodies are structured and what they look for and where they're headed I, I do actually it's interesting because mindfulness meditation kind mm-hmm. of that whole kind of well-being piece is coming is, is really shifted right into the forefront of late so team coaching and all the other stuff's been around for quite a while now but i think i think more and more people are engaging in wanting to have more of what I would cast as a holistic approach to their lives and so I'm finding out there's more and more of that coming through and that is being supported from the bodies but also what's happening is that more and more people are wanting that that what is my purpose why am I here what am I doing so the con the conversations changed whereas before it was very much about what can I achieve it's much more now about what can I do for others great and I think there's been a big shift in that of late so Someone's out there listening, and they're like, "Oh, Gillian sounds like like I want to be." <laughs> oh, that sounds like the beginning. Her beginning of my jo- her journey sounds just like where I am. Yeah. What would your advice be? 
Well, I think if you're at the stage of this, go and find somebody that you can talk to. I think, as you mentioned, it doesn't necessarily have to be a coach, but actually a coach would be most probably the best person to speak to, but find somebody that you can work with and just kind of have that initial exploratory conversation and then see how it goes from there. Cool. All right. Well, I think we're kind of getting to, to the end of it. Um, this conversation, if if people are out there and, and they're maybe having a conversation about some coaching for themselves, is there anything to supplement it that they could do to maybe learn a little bit about being a coach? Is there any way to like to, to practice some of that coaching stuff without committing and jumping in and and um, doing qualifications? Uh, yeah, there is. I mean, there's loads of organisations, including ours, I suppose, that offer discovery days where okay. you can have a taster, not just ours, but loads of other coaching providers that will give you a free day where you can okay. have a taster of what coaching's about. You get a little bit of coaching practice nice. um, and all of that kind of thing. But alternatively, you know, you can, you can get a, a, a group of people together if you wanted, but I would suggest that you, you do a bit of reading beforehand um, before letting loose on, on your <laughs> colleagues or friends just yeah. in case you <laughs> yeah, might yeah, yeah. cause damage. <laughs> Uh, I'll leave them hanging um, but still yeah so I think overall I think you know try and seek out somebody who's running some taster sessions um, at least that will give you the professional um, experience that they might be looking for and just a reminder to everyone listening your organisation is called Full Circle yes and you've got bases in the UK in Edinburgh and in London is yes, that right? that's correct yes. yeah. so that's a starting point if anyone's interested in yeah. being personally yeah, so absolutely. if they want to get in touch how could they find you have you yeah, got a website? They, yeah they, it's, it's www.fullcircleglobal.com and if they want to email me it's just Gillian with a G at fullcircleglobal.com cool and we'll share it onto the website yeah, we'll we send out, we, we send out a, a wow mail with every podcast uh, just to signpost people to the right directions as well um, any last questions from you James? no no I thought that was fascinating it's, it's great to hear how um, how things are changing you know and mm-hmm. to, to hear a little bit of the evolution of coaching over the last uh, 15 years or so and, and the way that the bodies are changing in relation to it I thought that was really interesting yeah I, it's um I've never spoken to someone who's been working in coaching for so long, so it's really interesting to hear the very different perspective. Uh, So thank you. Thank you. Uh, And with that, I guess that rounds off our research roundup. Yeah, that's research roundup. So thank you very much to Gillian for joining us. Um, It sounds like there might be another episode in the pipeline around world leadership. (laughs) As we know, James, and as you keep telling me, that's a different story. Why is it just one? You keep saying just one. What about world leadership now? I think think probably (laughs) just lock me in a room and and turn the microphone off. Um, So let's move on. Great. So that was our second conversation with Gillian. Really interesting. I, I don't know how you found it. I always think it's it's really interesting to talk to other people doing coaching who've been doing it a lot longer. Yeah, I mean, I love speaking to anyone about their work. I mean, I, I think work's fascinating anyway, and I'm interested in coaching and this side of things. So it's really interesting to get insights from um, from someone who's been working in this area for a while, like you say. Okay, so given we talked a little bit about the industry, you've got a list of the week that hopefully is, is quite relevant to this. Yeah, so what I thought we'd do for a list of a week this time is to dig up some of the professional bodies that... Um, exist in the coaching space. So, um, you know, as we've said, coaching's a, a kind of a funny space. It's it's kind of still fairly new. Um, it's unregulated. Yeah, it's fairly unregulated. I mean, I guess for context, right, I'm a chartered accountant, so I've been through that professional body situation. I've done project management. I'm a chartered project manager, so I've been through that. So I've got experience of some of those areas. And, and for me, coaching feels a little bit um, less mature as an industry. And I think that's probably because it is. Um, and I think that comes across in, in the sort of variety of organizations and, and the sort of positioning of organizations who are out there um, providing things like credentialing and certification and, and all that type of stuff. Accreditation. To, yeah, accreditation to help people understand 
um, the, the sort of knowledge and capabilities of the people that they're working with as coaches. Um, and we touched on some of this a little bit in our conversation with Gillian, but what I've done is I've pulled up a list of um, five organizations that are out there as uh, sort of oversight bodies for coaching. And I'm just going to mention them briefly um, so you can see, see what they are. Um, so first up is the Association for Coaching. You know, it's one of the leading bodies. Um, and like a lot of these bodies, it's got different grading. So it's got an associate membership, a membership, and an accredited membership. And they've all got different, you know, levels of training and experience to get through them. Uh, the top one in the Association for Coaching is the accredited member, or an AC accred, um, is how they talk about it. Um, and, you know, that's the most experience of their coaches. As with all of these things, they like to, to call out that they've got a code of ethics and good practice. And, you know, they've got that sort of regulatory type process in there. So that's the Association for Coaching. Then we've got the Association for Professional Executive Coaching and Supervision. Now, um, as it says, this is a body that focuses on executive coaching um, and also on the supervision of executive coaches. So, you know, when people are coaching, they need to be supervised or they often are supervised, particularly where they've got more complicated coaching relationships. So this, uh, this organization calls that out. Um, and as with all of them, it's got different membership categories. So it's got a practicing exec coach, accredited exec coach. Um, and here, that, that second one, the accredited coach, is for, for a higher level. And once again, they've got ethical guidelines and all that kind of stuff, usual type of things. Um, then there's ICF. Uh, so we touched on that in our conversation with Gillian, amongst some of the others. Um, and that's the International Coach Federation. And they're one of the largest bodies. Um, they really are international. They run three grades. So they do the associate, the professional, and the master. So Gillian's a master. Um, I know that to get the master level, you need to have um, logged 3,000 hours of coaching, which is a lot of hours of coaching, right? I mean, that's, that's a lot of time. Um, and associate is like 100 professionals, maybe 600 hours. Um, so again, they've got the different levels of, of stuff in there. Um, and then we've got the International Authority for Professional Coaching and Mentoring, 2004 Foundation, um, one of the most recent uh, bodies that's out there. Um, and again, different membership categories, associate, accredited, professional, uh, standards and ethics, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a European Mentoring and Coaching Council. Um, so that's a, a Europe-specific one. A lot of the others are, are more broad. And again, um, the European um, Mentoring and Coaching Council's got associate, master, and professional membership. Interestingly, they've got master as the middle and professional as the highest, whereas ICF's got professional as the middle and master as the highest. So you can see the sort of standardization across the industry is not really there. Um, so that's the kind of the difference. Uh, and as with a lot of professional organizations, you, you get um, to, to become a member, you go through your training, you've got some theoretical training, you've got some practical experience, and let's be honest, you've got to pay, right? That's what a lot of these things is. Or you, you pay to support the body and to acquire your membership, and then you pay uh, annual subscription fees to, to be part of that membership as well. So for those of you looking into... Um, becoming coaches, those are some of the bodies that you might want to look at. Um, and so I ended up choosing ICF. I guess I chose it because I'm a dual national, US, UK. ICF has a fair amount of um, you know, visibility in the US. So that was part of, part of my driver on that, as well as the fact that they're one of the largest um, organizations. Um, so that's kind of a list of the week. Professional bodies associated with coaching. Have you have I missed any? Have you got any? I don't think. I mean, I don't. I have to confess, I'm not nearly as close to it. I, I'm still figuring out. So I'm due to do my coaching qualification this year, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I would have done it last year, but I'm currently studying a master's in organisational psychology. Yeah. Um, and I feel that the grounding I'm getting in that and the modules I've done so far 
give me enough. Yeah, and, um, and well, you know what? There's a lot of. I mean, we talk there about the professional bodies, but obviously, there's a huge amount of coaching qualification through academia. Yeah. As well. So, for example, the department that I'm doing my master's in also does a postgraduate certificate in coaching. Yeah, and a lot of um, places do that. And I think I'm figuring it out at the moment. So I'm I'm literally in the process of figuring out which one. Mm-hmm. And I guess my slight frustration is that I have yet to find one that I am truly comfortable with their approach. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because I don't think I'm a coach, but then I don't know what to call myself. Well, it's hard. And that's why I said, oh, I'm not really a coach. I kind of am. I, yeah. And I'm and kind and of I, in the same boat, right? I chose one to go with, but I'm not, I'm not convinced I'm a coach either. I think no. I, I want coaching skills, but I want to, you know, I want to have conversations with people in my own way to some extent. Yeah, I, I always joke about it. So when people were talking to me about what, what name my business was going to have, I used to, we, we, we threw a whole load, me and some friends threw a whole load around around compassing okay. and navigation. Because yeah. quite often I feel like the role of what I do is about creating, um, being a navigator for someone who's trying to find their way yeah whether that's through a problem whether that's to another place whether that's they don't know where yet and they want to write the map it's about those navigation skills and that that requires a number of things and that requires an understanding of their industry and understanding of the sector but it also requires an understanding of how to challenge them and have difficult conversations and and largely for me coaching is having difficult conversations yeah or yeah It, it falls under that for me it's helping people explore things more thoroughly that they might not want to explore yeah. so some of it's about helping them challenge themselves some of it's about challenging them yeah and difficult doesn't always have to be challenging sometimes yeah. they're just difficult because you don't know what you don't yeah. know what the next yeah, yeah, question is yeah, yeah, yeah. and so when i talk about difficult conversations i i just mean they're conversations that i can't do on my own yeah so there are a huge yeah. number of conversations i have with myself as i'm sure we all do every yeah. day the difficult ones and I, I don't mean scary or challenging i just mean literally i can't on my own yeah have that conversation because i don't know what, what the next question is yeah. So that's kind of where I am with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it'll be great to see where you end up in terms yes, of Yes, it will be. I suspect I will end up wherever you aren't for the sole Makes reason sense. that I'm nosy and you've already told me a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah. Which I've is a got, terrible, that's a great by the way, reason. terrible great reason. reason to choose. It's all about learning. Um, cool. All right. So uh, stories from the keyboard. Um, so have you got any reflections on your your journey to become the coach that you are at the minute have you got any lessons big lessons um, that you've learned along the way or? yeah i mean i'm horribly biased uh-huh. uh because i don't know that i would enjoy coaching and i, I will caveat this because i don't know i'm not saying yeah. i don't know in a kind of uh pseudo dismissive way i genuinely don't know if i'd enjoy coaching outside of my sector okay i absolutely love being able to share my experiences and my knowledge and use that as part of a conversation. And I think most of the coaching methods I've seen don't allow for that. Yeah, okay. And therefore, for me, um, if I was... And, and it's been it's when coaching's been most helpful for me as well, is mm. when someone's really taken the time to understand my context. Um, so for me, that mentoring-coaching combo is really mm-hmm. good. And I would say uh, that my... I guess I guess my experience of coaching has been that uh, the, oh, well, the example I would give you is um, you know you asked me earlier about what I enjoy most about it and I was talking about people getting uh, taking making a move and, and yeah, you know yeah, actually yeah, having yeah, achievement yeah. and me seeing the impact well I guess my story would be really specifically in that situation uh, someone who is very clear in where their direction is but doesn't know how to get there and needs someone to challenge their behavior yeah i did that 
And her exact words to me were, I love that you give me direction. Now that's not allowed for really within most coaching models. Yeah, that's right. And I don't give people direction and tell them what to do. I give people suggestions of how I think they could take direction or, yeah, or what yeah. direction to move in. But the uh, for me, that's been really satisfying. Yeah. And I think um, it depends who you are, right? Yeah, of course. And what you're looking for. Yeah. But certainly earlier on in your career, I think that mentoring, coaching, finding a coach that's also got the experience of your industry is is just really helpful. Yeah. And and I think that that really is sort of mentoring with coaching style or mentoring with coaching questions. It's the equivalent. Yeah. It's the equivalent of when a manager has coaching skills, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. It's it's almost like outsourced mentor. uh, Outsourced. It it uh, is. And it's a little bit more independent. Yeah. And it's also, it allows. And it's more aligned to your personal goals. Yeah. And also, I'm more able to. To not put the organize one of the challenges managers that always have to put the organization first. Yeah, as an external, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have that's to. right. You can really align to the individual. Yeah. So for me, um, that's it. And the one thing I would say it's almost is, like a personal manager, kind of to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> no one would ever hire me as their personal manager. Have you met me, James. Yeah. Um, so what I would say is, I guess that story is that that coaching that I'm currently doing is all paid for by the organization yeah. because they recognise the benefit of someone external doing that mentoring yeah. and coaching. And they very specifically clearly said to me when, when, they, when they started, this is not pure coaching. This will be different for different people and we suspect there's a large part of mentoring in it. Yeah. But we would like someone who is actually paid to do it rather than people having to find their own because they're not ready. Yeah. And that I really sense. admire that. That's I good. really admire it's that. It's a great investment in that people. Isn't it? Yeah, really good. Um, so I guess a couple bits from me on experience of becoming a coach. Obviously, I'm, you know, I've done all my sort of classroom stuff for the yeah. approach that I'm doing through SEF. I'm doing my training I've got other bits and pieces and I guess a couple bits stand out for me in terms of my own journey one is um, the growth in confidence I've had and how much more I enjoy the coaching process than I used to Um, as with you I kind of do mentoring as well as coaching Mm -hmm. but sometimes I'm more in the coaching space but really how with time and experience and working with a variety of people from a variety of industries and a variety of different stages in their lives. Uh, everyone I work with is uh, work-related coaching. Um, how my confidence has grown with that and, and my ability to help people has grown. So, so that's interesting because um, it's just good to see. The other thing that I think kind of supports that is the, the real kind of belief in the process, right? So um, sometimes I have coaching sessions and I come out and I'm like, well, gosh, did I do anything? I mean, like, what was I doing there, right? And I'm asking questions on all of this stuff. But really, it's it's for belief in the process and the fact that you know people really benefit from the reflection and the, the you know supporting and challenging questions, um, and that helps them achieve things. And and really, you know, knowing and seeing repeatedly the benefit of that that type of questioning for people is I probably correlated with my increase in confidence, but also been really interesting to see and reaffirm the, the approach in lots of ways. Um, so I guess those are my reflections. Okay. Fun times. And then I guess that moves us neatly in. Any top tips for people in the world of coaching? Uh, top tips. In fact, do you know what? Oh, yeah. Just before we do, yeah. has anything bad ever happened to you? Or is there any mistakes you've ever made in coaching that you kind of hang your head in shame and go, I can't believe I did that? Um, well, I, I do that consistently. <laughs> so, so without question, my best was turning up and not having booked a meeting room and instead of sure. finding somewhere else... Uh, trying to do a coaching session in a really busy bar. Yeah. It wasn't busy when we turned up, but by the end, all the work lot came in and yeah. everyone was drunk. And, yeah. we, and we were trying to have a really meaningful conversation. It doesn't really work. And the it? other thing I sometimes do on Skype coaching, and apologies if you've ever done it, is I forget that my dog 
is 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 not locked away in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And suddenly the dog will appear behind my head yeah. on my Skype screen. Yeah. And so people yeah, 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 suddenly yeah, yeah, yeah. like having a really serious conversation, and then they're like, <laughs> "Is that your dog?" <laughs> yeah. Like, sorry, just ignore. Yeah. Just, just dog move. So those are the two things. Um, I, I like sometimes I have a little mind freeze, and I'm like panicking about. Oh no, I need to find another question. Where am I going to go with this? I don't know where to go, and I get a, a bit kind of lost in that sometimes. And then sometimes I find if it's a really you know interesting conversation, I kind of get absorbed in it and forget that I'm kind of doing any of the coaching stuff and I get a bit lost as well I'm like <laughs> wow really interesting yeah, where are you going to go next yeah. and I, I kind of get to the stage where I think somebody else is running the conversation yeah. and kind of forget it yeah I feel um, like that also happens to me. I yeah. think that's normal though yeah, yeah, I think, I think when you've got well. really good rapport with someone it, it can it becomes happen. an actual conversation and I think it? sometimes that just takes the edge off as well yeah it, yeah, yeah okay top tips top tips Um, I think what I would say is that you know being a coach isn't for everyone um, it can be, you know, it uh, takes a lot of energy, all that kind of stuff. you got to prep, blah, 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 blah. But I think pretty much everyone in work benefits from having coaching skills, right? So just in the same way that, that you're not really coaching, you do a lot of mentoring or outsourced management or whatever you want to say, right? Um, but having the coaching skills is really useful. Uh, and I'd say that it's probably worth pretty much everyone exploring what coaching skills are and questioning and active listening and all that kind of stuff. Um, because I think they're really beneficial. But, you know, I mean, this episode's about basically becoming a coach. I don't think that's right for everyone. But it's worth learning some of no, the, it's the core right. things. But there are no, some people that, in my life, I know that should not be coaches. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think, think they'd want to be. No, I think... I think um, but I think some of those skills are really useful. And I think everyone should sort of explore Well, it's those. like, it's like it's taking feedback, right? Skills. It's the yeah. same thing. It's it's it, We did a whole episode on taking feedback. Well, we yeah, did it on feedback. feedback but but it was really about yeah, taking yeah. feedback. And... Um, yeah, it's the same thing. It's useful to yeah. understand what those skills are, even if you don't want to use them all the time. Yeah. What about you? Final thoughts? So, uh, my top tip is to ask for progress reports. Okay. And I don't mean like written reports, but ask people, what are you getting out of this? Yeah. Is this useful? Yeah, yeah. Are we Checking in is good, yeah. It's been really interesting. Uh, it's, you have to be brave, right? Mm-hmm. You have to stomach it um, because people might tell you, this isn't, oh, I was hoping to do a bit more of this or yeah. whatever. But I quite often am getting much more confident about what would you like to talk about. And if they don't know, that's fine, then you move on. But quite often there are people, particularly junior staff, who I haven't asked. We've got halfway through and they're like, oh, and I've got these three things to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, I I start pretty much now, pretty much all my conversations start with uh, a phase of contracting, looking at what that conversation is today. You know, what do you want to speak about today? What do you want to get out of today? How will you know that we've had a good conversation? How will it feel? And I find that useful mm-hmm. when people are of a certain experience. Yeah. I find, so I do some work with very junior, not very junior, but less career experienced people. Yeah. And that's much harder for them. Yeah. They kind of look at you a little bit panicked. And yeah. And, and what I'd say for me is in situations where people are at that um, less experienced stage, I do one or two structured sessions. And then I find that by the time I get to the third session, it can become a bit more yeah. freeform. But still, I, I still to tend to find with some of them, I need to give them options. Yeah. So I say, well, we could, we talked about this last time. So we could talk about this or this. Sure. And then they kind of go, oh, that one, please. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I find that really helpful because then they feel informed and empowered. Yeah. Um, but it's been really surprising to me, actually. Quite often I have, co- I've been through periods of having conversations with people and thought, not sure how much they're getting out of it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then yeah, they've yeah. gone, no, 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 I really like doing yeah. it this way because it's really, I just like talking it through with you. Yeah. And, I'm and like, for me, that's about belief in the process piece, right? Yeah. Like one and and listeners can't see, but I've got a puzzled look on yeah, my yeah, face. Yeah, like, like, really? really? <laughs> that's helpful. Really? And they're like, yeah, it really helps it really me think is. and it gives yeah, me space. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. All right, well, let's do it. Which of course it does. It does I yeah. mean, like, it's so obvious when yeah. you say it. Cool. Well, I guess that is becoming a coach, what it's like to be a coach, thoughts from a master coach. Some of the mistakes we make as coaches. Some of the mistakes we make, some of the things good about being a coach. Yeah. All things coaching. So um, let's get ready to get out of here. Um, if you want to get in touch with us and uh, give us any feedback, coaching feedback, if you want to give us some mentoring comments, if you want to do any of that stuff, you can email us. Um, we never talk about the email. JJ at the wow podcast. You've got that. Dot org. Dot org. At org. Very important dot org bit there. Um, and of course, that's our website, thewowpodcast.org itself. Uh, you got us on Twitter at the wow podcast. Um, and I guess that's it uh, review us on iTunes we yeah like and I would say and I've never done this before and I can't believe I'm going to do it but I am going to do it uh-huh. we are we do both do some individual work not mm-hmm. much but we do do some so if anyone's interested about that you can email us at jj at the white podcast yeah forward. that's a good shout yeah. um, because we do do some yeah I'm really enjoying um, it and if you're interesting then we might be interested oh look at that raise the bar I just really like talking to interesting people yeah so do I right? so do I alright me too me too absolutely alright um, so that is us getting ready to check out. We got all the usual stuff. Facebook. We talked about Facebook earlier. You can always. We talked about Facebook. Facebook. We talked about iTunes. We didn't talk about LinkedIn, but absolutely, you can find yeah. us on there. And feel free to follow us on LinkedIn. We we both share quite a lot of content from yeah, other people. Yeah, it's quite do. interesting. Um, and as always, you can sign up for the Wow Mail at our website, which you've mentioned. Cool. And happy coaching, everybody. All right. That didn't really... That was... Uh, James is trying to make certain phrases happen. Yeah. They're not going to happen. I keep trying to shove them in. Shove I know. Them in it's like the puns. Yeah. We'll get there. All right. But we'll make a podcast about that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yes, we will. Provide a best enough return on investment. All right, guys. Um, I will see you later. And what do you say, Jane? You say... It's goodbye from me. Uh, and it's goodbye from me. Have goodbye. a good week, people. Hi. Thanks for listening to this episode of the World of Work podcast. To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us if you wish through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you.